Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Psalms 103 and meet me at verse 8. Psalm 103 and meet me at verse 8. And the word of the Lord says, The Lord is merciful. Somebody say merciful. And gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. Now let's look at verse 11. Same chapter, verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. Somebody shout mercy mercy toward those who fear him. Skip down to verse 17, same chapter. But the mercy, somebody shout mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Now Psalms 145 verse 8, I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. Psalms 145 verse 8 in the Passion Translation. You're kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. I want to read that one more time. You're kind, talking about God, and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. The entire chapter of Psalms 136 says his mercy endures forever. The entire chapter says that. His mercy endures forever. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says that his mercy is new every morning. One more time, will somebody shout the word mercy? Today, I want to talk about an aspect of the favor of God that we don't talk much about. Now, earlier this year, we prophesied that this would be our year of great favor, that we would be a visible display of the infinite riches of his favor and his kindness. And when we talk about favor, we must include that favor is not an accessory. Favor is a necessity. We're going to have to have the favor of God in operation in our life if we're going to do what God's called us to do. Whatever individual vision the Lord gave you that comes under the corporate vision of this house is going to require you have God's kindness and his favor and his ability to get things done in your life that you can't do on his own. You must have the favor of God in order to fulfill the destiny that God has placed on your life because you can't do it on your own. You have to have the favor of God. And in this aspect of the favor of God, I want you to understand that the mercy of God is also the favor of God. And as I was studying this week regarding the mercy of God, I don't know if I've ever preached a message about the mercy of God. We talk a lot about the grace of God. We talk a lot about the love of God. We talk a lot about, you know, maybe even the favor of God. But there's an aspect of God's favor that is the mercy of God that is always in operation in our life. 
And if we define mercy, it really is an act of kindness, compassion, and favor. An act of kindness, compassion, and favor. Mercy is kind and compassionate treatment towards the most undeserved. Let me say it again. Mercy is kind and compassionate treatment towards the most undeserved. You are not getting what you deserve, and mercy is an active desire to remove the cause of distress in others. And so the mercy of God is kind and compassionate treatment towards the most undeserved. Now, if we look at justice, how many of you heard this word justice before? And many times we cry out for this word justice to take place. Justice means you are going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what you deserve. And in some aspects in our society, there must be justice takes place. Somebody must get what their actions deserve. Now, be careful with this word justice because you would be a candidate for justice if you always do everything right. If you always do everything right, then you are a candidate for justice. And I don't know if you want to be a candidate for justice because I don't know if that you do everything right always. Uh, and, you know, far too often, especially I hear it in marital relationships, the, the husband says the wife is never wrong. She has, my wife has never apologized to me. My wife has never said, I'm sorry. My wife is never wrong. She never does anything wrong. And then I hear on the other side, the wife said, my husband, he doesn't do ever do anything wrong. He never apologizes. He never says, I'm sorry. He never does anything wrong. Well, if you never do anything wrong, then you become a candidate for justice. And you don't always want to be a candidate for justice. Matter of fact, let me ask you this. When was the last time you apologized to someone? Like, seriously, when was the last time you told someone I was wrong? When's the last time you told someone I am sorry or will you please forgive me? See, if you can't recall when the last time you said that, then unintentionally you think you do everything right and you think you deserve something. And I want you to understand that this word deserve is not really a biblical word. The only person that deserves something, and we sung it today, is the Father God. He deserves our praise. He does nothing wrong. He does everything right. He is faithful and kind and loyal and consistent. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. But you and I don't deserve a lot of things. And I want you to eliminate this word deserve from your vocabulary. I hear it all the time. Well, I get what I deserve. You don't want to get what you deserve. You don't want to do that. I, I, I hear this, I hear this all the time. Well, I deserve a better life. I deserve a better job. No, you don't. You deserve to go to hell. That's what you deserve. You deserve to be separated from the Father. You don't deserve these things. But we unintentionally, or maybe we were taught this way, that, well, it's not fair. It's just not fair. My kids are now saying this all the time. It's not fair, Dad. Can I submit something to you? God is not fair. 
Let me just let you know something. God is not fair. It is not fair. Maybe that you were born on the wrong side of the track. Maybe you were born to a, a, a single mom without a father. Maybe you were born to a single dad without a mother. Maybe you were born poor. Or maybe you were born filthy rich. Maybe you were born and your parents were great parents. It's not fair the inequality that has taken place and how we started. This is why we can't compare to each other because we all started somewhere different. Everybody started somewhere different. So stop trying to compare yourself to someone else that got a, got a further start. They got a better start than you. Stop. And stop trying to deserve stuff. Because if we begin to want to deserve stuff, then we become a candidate for justice. And most of the time, we're going to deserve hell, separation from God. We're going to deserve the curse of the law. We're going to deserve punishment for our sin. So stop trying to deserve and become a candidate for grace and mercy. Because grace means you're going to get what you don't deserve. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Grace says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. If you deserve it, then you cannot be a candidate for grace. Well, I worked so hard for it and I got that promotion because I deserve it. Then you've completely eliminated the grace of God in any aspect of your life. Now, mercy, on the other hand, and this is what we're going to talk about today, Mercy means I'm not going to get what I deserve. Hallelujah. How I many you know I, I deserve a whole lot worse than I've got? I mean, do I have any witnesses in here that could say that you deserve a whole lot worse than where you are right now? I only got one or two honest people in the house, but, but you deserve, you, what you, where you at now is because of the mercy of God and mercy says that you are not going to get what you deserve. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You get the blessing. You don't get the judgment. The mercy of God says you get the blessing and not the judgment. The mercy of God says you get the favor when you even, when you even don't deserve it. This is what makes favor so enormous is because we don't deserve the favor. We don't deserve the mercy. We don't deserve the grace. And mercy says, I see you. You missed the mark. You deserve punishment. But the blood of Jesus is going to cover your sin. Hallelujah. This is the message the world needs to hear. That they, you don't deserve it. But it's the blood that makes you in right standing with God. I know you don't deserve what well, you know, pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's the mercy of God that can clean you up and grab a hold of you and put you in your proper place. It's his mercy. In Ephesians chapter two, verse four, Ephesians chapter two, verse four, Paul tells us, but God who is rich in somebody shout the next word. Mercy. He's rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love with which he has loved us. That means he is wealthy in mercy. He has more than enough mercy. You serve a God who is rich in the mercy of God. He is not going to give you what you 
deserve. He is not going to treat you like you have acted. He is full of his mercy, which is the favor of God. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Now, this past week, I did a little reading up on David. David and uh, Bathsheba, you know, Solomon, King Solomon's mother and father. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and you can go in chapter 12 and read the story for yourself. But I'll paraphrase a bit. David is the king of Israel. David has uh, authority. He has influence. He is the king. He can have what he wants. And Israel is at war. And most of the military is out at war. And in that day, kings used to go to war with the military. But David's chilling at the house, at the palace. He's got the nerve to walk at the highest level of the palace. David is walking on his roof. And he sees down and he sees this beautiful woman bathing. And her name is Bathsheba. I think it's interesting she's bathing and her name is Bathsheba. But I don't think there's no correlation to that. But however, he sees this beautiful woman bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. He turns to his people. He said, who is that? They said, that's Uriah's wife. And then he says to his people, go get her. And the scripture says, and they went and took her and brought her to the palace. And then David had relations with her. Now, I submit to you that David used his authority and his influence to take advantage of Bathsheba. I submit to you that David betrayed Uriah because Bathsheba ends up getting pregnant. He brings Uriah home from the war. He tries to make Uriah sleep with Bathsheba to to say that church child. Uriah was so loyal to David that he wouldn't even leave the palace. He tried to get Uriah drunk. Go home. Go sleep with your wife. He wouldn't do it. He would never leave the palace. So then David says, here's what I'm going to do. I've got to get rid of Uriah. And so he writes a note gives it to Uriah to take to the commanding army. And the note says, put Uriah in the hottest battle on the front line so that he can be killed. Uriah delivers his death sentence to the general. They put him on the front line. Uriah is killed. Word got back that Uriah is dead. David is a betrayer now. David then begins to take Bathsheba and bring her to the palace. If the king in this day and age, with all the authority, with all the influence, with all the power, requests a certain woman to come to the palace, do you think she has a choice? Huh? Do you think she has a choice? No. He took advantage of her. He took full advantage of her. And the situation had the husband killed and then brought her to his crib. Then Nathan, the prophet, chapter 12, shows up, tells this story about a man who has a lamb. And one man has a plethora of lambs, but this man only has one lamb, and he nurtures the lamb, and he tenders, takes care of the lamb, and he makes sure the lamb is is safe. But the man that had a plethora of lambs came and took the man's one lamb 
and said, I want to sacrifice this one lamb. And he said, David, what would you do? And David said, that man ought to die. He had lots of lambs. Why would he take that one man's lamb, slaughter that lamb, and make that man have no lamb no more? He deserves death. And I love how bold Nathan the prophet was. Nathan says, you are the man. You took advantage and took that man's one lamb, his wife, then had him killed. And David prophesied that that man deserved death. Nathan said, you're the man. So if David prophesied that man deserves death, did David deserve death? Yes, he did. He deserved death. But the mercy of God. Look at Psalms 51, verses 1 and 2. And I like it from the Passion's translation. Psalms 51, verses 1 and 2. God, this is David's prayer. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. When David cried out for mercy, the God of mercy, who is wealthy in mercy, who is rich in mercy, responded and David received mercy. Now, I do have to tell you that there are consequences for your actions. There are consequences for your actions. In this particular story, God saved David's life, but he said there will be a sword in your family. And David's son eventually tried to kill him. David was on the run. His own son absolutely was trying to kill him, trying to take over the kingdom. This act did Produce a consequence. But the mercy of God spared his life. And now David is known as the man after God's own heart. You see what foul, wicked thing he did? Stole that man's wife, took advantage of that woman, killed her husband. But God said, he's a man after my own heart. We're talking about the mercy of God. There's nothing you can do that God's mercy doesn't extend towards you. All you have to do is request it. All you have to do is ask for it. All you have to do is receive it. It's the mercy of God. Several years ago, I worked for a large ministry, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, matter of fact, and I was hired to be the prisoner correspondent. So this ministry reaches a lot of inmates in prisons all over the country. And I was hired to read the letters of the inmates. Uh, it was my full-time job. <laughs> and it was so many letters that were coming in. I wasn't the only person reading letters. I mean, it was a team of us, probably 10 of us reading letters. And letters were coming in. They were coming in. And these inmates all, to me, had the, a similar story. Very similar. One act of anger resulted in them getting arrested and going to prison. I was doing well. Somebody ran me off the road. I got out the car. I did something stupid. I got arrested. Now I'm in prison. I mean, I, let me submit this to you. You are one stupid act away from going to prison. I'd have to be honest with you. 
You just want, thank God for <laughs> the blood of Jesus and the grace of God and spending time in the word of God and, and, and the Holy Spirit convicting us and, and saying, hey, don't respond that way. Thank God for that because you are one stupid act away. Don't think you're so holy. Don't think you somebody messed with your mama. Watch out. You one act away from responding to that. And as I was reading these letters from these inmates, what, a lot of them said, you know, the police came and, and got me and I was driving drunk or this, that, and the third. And the police came. The Lord spoke to me and said, the police coming, arresting them was my mercy. I was reading the letters and the Lord spoke to me. The police putting them in jail, the judge giving them the sentence was my mercy because they would have been dead going that direction and then eternally lost eventually because they died without Jesus going to hell and the mercy of God through the police officer or through the neighbor that called the police or whatever the case may be through the judge the mercy of God came in grabbed a hold of them threw them in prison and they found Jesus that's the mercy of God. Some of your punishment, yes, thank God for the mercy. You don't get the punishment that you deserve, but some of the consequences are the mercy of God. When I'm talking to my children, for example. So usually I found one parent believes one way, another parent believes another way. Follow me, track with me. One parent believes... I tell you to do something, you do it because I tell you to do it. And these kids ain't going to do it because you, because you tell them to do it. I'm just, I mean, it ain't got nothing to do with love or they don't love me because they don't do what I tell them to do. It's got everything to do with the fear of dad. So in, in my home, Stacey will be like, I told you to do it and you didn't do it. And you, when your mama tell you to do something, you do something. I'm looking at Stacey like, that don't work, babe. I said, this is what worked. You didn't do that? Drop down and give me 25 burpees. That, that works. You didn't do that, you're going to bed 10 minutes early tonight. Oh my gosh, we'll go to bed. You knew that. See, it's the consequence. It's not your love for God that's keeping you on the straight. Now, I know you want it to be your love of God. It's the consequence of missing the mark that's keeping you on the straight and narrow. So when the mercy of God Comes or oh, the mercy of dad. So let me give you an example. In my home, there are consequences for bad actions. And these consequences work every time. They don't work sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. They always work. This happens. This is the consequence. It's very clear. It's communicated very well. You know what it is. So I always tell my kids, you wanted this consequence. You wanted, you wanted it because you knew what it would be. You did it anyway, so you wanted it. Stop crying. This is what you wanted. So we have a, a certain rule in our home. One of our kids has to be downstairs for school at a certain time, out of the bathroom, dressed, downstairs, ready to go. Any minute they're late is a consequence. So I get a text from Stacy. She said, please have mercy 
on Zavin. Uh, he, 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 he had a, a rough night and, and, and just mercy on Zavin. I said, you know what? You ask for mercy. And guess what you get? Mercy. You get mercy. When you ask for mercy, you get mercy. But it's the consequence that really keeps us on the straight level. It's not the love. It's the consequence. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to disappoint. Right. I don't want that spanking. I don't want to go to bed early. I don't want to owe that money. I don't want to go into debt. Uh, you know, I, I want to do what's right. But God is saying, even if you do everything wrong, there's mercy. Come on, somebody say mercy. There's, I said to my heart, some of you have made some bad decisions financially. I mean, some rough, bad financial decisions. I want you to know that there's mercy for that. God is so merciful that he can get you out of your predicament. Some of you have made bad decisions in your relationships, and maybe you haven't treated your spouse right or your sister right or your mother right, or maybe even your grandchildren correctly. There's mercy. There's mercy available. You can get what you don't deserve. Stop saying, whatever I get, I deserve. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says you can actually go boldly through the th to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Come on, somebody shout mercy. mercy. This is the favor of God that you can obtain mercy. You can miss the mark. You can make a mistake. You can do dumb things. You can fail somebody. But there is mercy. That's the favor of God is the mercy of God. Now go with me to uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, real quick. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and we'll read through verse 52. Now watch this. The word of the Lord says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bart, the son of Tim, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, remember he's blind, so he can't see. He heard it was Jesus. He began to cry out saying, Jesus, son of David, watch this, have mercy on me. Look at the next verse. Then many warned him to be quiet. Hey, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Now watch this. He stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, teacher, Rabona, teacher, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now look at me real quick. This man is blind. He hears Jesus coming. He's shouting out, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, if you study this out, a lot of theologians say that Jesus stopped because he called him son of David. I, I don't go with that. I believe that Jesus stopped because he was crying out for mercy. 
He was saying, I don't deserve your attention. I don't deserve your power. I don't deserve your compassion. I don't deserve your healing. I am crying out for mercy. He's saying, God, you don't owe me anything. When you cry out for mercy, you're saying, God, you don't owe me anything. Mercy, Lord, have mercy upon me. And Bart began to cry out, mercy, you don't owe me anything. And when he began to cry out mercy, Jesus stopped. He was walking by. He stopped. What stopped him? Mercy stopped him. Somebody crying out for the mercy of God stopped him. Mercy will always get God's attention. When you approach God with, have mercy on me. Some of you need to start your prayers that way. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And then keep going. Get him to stop what he's doing, to pay attention because he is rich in mercy. And so he stopped and he turned to the man and he said, what, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it's very obvious the man is blind, but Jesus wanted some specifics from him. He turned to the man and he said to the man, what do you want me to do? And the man says to him, I want to see. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Jesus, I don't deserve this. Jesus, I didn't work hard enough for this. Who knows why this man was blind? Maybe he did some horrible, horrific sin and they plucked his eyes out. I mean, they lived in that day and time. They, maybe he was cursed and the curse caused him to lose his vision. I don't know what the man did. Or maybe he was just sick, Mystique. He was just sick and just needed a healing. I don't know. But when he cried out for mercy, Jesus said to him, be it unto you according to your faith. He received his healing. Then immediately he began to see. And then he left Jesus and never came back to Jesus again. Is that what the scriptures say? No. He began to follow Jesus. He received mercy and he stuck with the man who extended mercy in his direction. I'm telling you right now that mercy is healing. Mercy is restoration. Mercy is forgiveness. I wrote this down. Saying it might not be God's will to heal you is like saying it may not be God's will to have mercy on you. Well, I don't know if it's God's will to heal me or not. Then you're actually saying it's God's will not to have mercy on me. And God extended mercy all throughout the scriptures. I challenge you to find me a place where someone requested mercy and God didn't extend it to them. Mercy is always being extended. Mercy is always being given and we receive it no matter what we've done. Now, if we were broke, busted and disgusted and not serving God and a, a horrific sinner and we cry out for mercy, God will extend the mercy and we would be a father or son and daughter in the father's house. Now you are a son and daughter in the father's house. And if you cry out for mercy, I made a mistake. I dated the wrong guy. I, I spent that money I shouldn't have. I cut somebody out. I stole something. Return what you stole and cry out for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. 
Mercy. Somebody shout mercy. Man, I've said some things that hurt people's feelings that I didn't mean to. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy on me. And I would go to them, will you have mercy on me? Can I have some mercy? Because I, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't realize what I said was that of- offensive to you. Have mercy. Mercy. We should be humble folks requesting mercy. Lord, mercy to your spouse. Have mercy on me. Not, well, you know, I... Can you pick up? Can you pick up after yourself? Well, you no, no, no. You don't pick up after yourself. No, just can, can I have some mercy? Your relationships will go a whole lot better when you when you cry out for mercy. Mercy. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. When 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 there's when there's a sickness in your body, cry out for the mercy of God. You don't. People say I don't deserve to be healed. You don't. That's the truth. Well, I've smoked all my life, and I've got lung cancer now, and I've smoked, and I've smoked, and I've smoked, and I've got this lung cancer, and I deserve to die of lung cancer. You might deserve to die of lung cancer, but there's mercy. And God's mercy can heal you of 60 years of your lung cancer. Glory to God. It's the mercy of God. Or maybe you're just not good in your finances and you just keep doing stupid stuff with your money. It's dumb, it's dumb, it's dumb. Seek the wisdom and counsel of someone that knows how to handle money and cry out to the Lord for mercy. Lord, mercy. I heard of a story recently that a man did some dumb things. He didn't pay his taxes. And he was $10,000 in debt. He just did some dumb things with his money didn't do anything with his taxes, got a hold of the mercy of God, started meditating on the mercy of God and said, Lord, I, I need mercy. This is all my fault. I've messed up in my taxes. I've got to have mercy and begin to pray. Mercy, begin to ask the Lord for mercy. He and his wife came together and said, you know, we're just going to ask God for mercy in this. And they were end up talking to a, a person. And the person told them they had an issue with their taxes. And this man said, I understand where you're coming from. And this, this issue they had was several years ago. And he said, I understand where you're coming from. He said the man came back to him a week or so later and said, you said you understood where I was coming from. What did you mean by that? He was like, well, yeah, I just understood where you're coming from, where taxes are concerned. And he said to the man, um, why are you asking? The man said, well, the Lord told me to ask you, how much do you owe on your taxes? He's like, do you really want to know? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I have a reason for asking this question. He said, we owe $10,000 on our taxes. He said, the man kind of looked down and said, I'm going to send you $1,000 a month for the next 10 months so you can pay your taxes off. And the man told this story and he said, it was because of the mercy of God. This was all my fault of why I'm in this situation. You know, a lot of the challenges that you're in, the struggles you're going through, it's your fault. Just admit it. My mouth put me in this situation. My decisions put me here. My reactions put me here. It's my fault. Now you can cry out humbly, mercy. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. Say mercy again, mercy. Mercy. Come on, say mercy one more time. When you cry out for mercy, this is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www 
www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.